I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Jocelyn. She has multiple myeloma. Let's talk about it. All right. Well, uh, guys, this is going to be uh, this is going to be a joy because not only are we sitting down with a guest today to talk about uh, a particular type of cancer that I don't think we've covered very much on the podcast in the past, but we're also joined by uh, Jocelyn, who's a high school music teacher. Well, or, like, I mean, if you're looking at the the ranking of like best teachers uh, in <laughs> in high schools, the music teacher is always up there. Drama, music, drama. I, I had a history teacher that was a, a wild card. I had a bio- <clears throat> biology teacher who threw a chair once. <laughs> well, there you go. So, Jocelyn, how many chairs have you thrown at students? Uh, none. Um, <laughs> yet. Yet. No. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. <laughs> um, Jocelyn, uh, I, first of all, thanks for taking time out of your schedule to sit down and talk with us. Um, we're going to be diving into multiple myeloma. I uh, hope yes. I got that pronunciation right. Um, not yep. to be confused with um, melanoma. Very nope. different. Different Very, thing. Yep. Uh, uh, multiple myeloma, I believe, is a blood cancer. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to dive deep into all the ins and outs of that. But before we do, please take a moment, introduce yourself to our listeners. Um, what's, what's Jocelyn's life all about? <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here today. Uh, my name is Jocelyn Curvin. I live in Toronto, Ontario. And currently I'm 48 years old, but at the age of 43, I was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. I had just stepped away from being a high school music teacher into a new job with our school board as a digital literacy consultant. So supporting educators as they wanted to do innovative and creative things with digital technology in their classrooms. Mm. So I had taken on a new role, loving the new job, um, kind of missing the music classroom, but I had spent 18, 19 years there. So this was a new adventure. And uh, all of a sudden, kind of turned around and life kind of upended itself. Yeah. And uh, and here we are four and a half years later. That's uh, that's wild. I was thinking, um, like you, you mentioned that this kind of happened five years ago, but um, but the the crazy thing to think about is like if you, I mean, even if you didn't get cancer and you were digital literary lit, literacy, digital literacy consultant, um, yeah. funny word going into say, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny. I'm um, digitally literate, but uh, literally I'm illiterate. Literally illiterate. <laughs> um, but uh, but then going into like COVID as like I, yeah. I imagine the person in that yeah, job became right. really important right. um, when right. digital learning yeah. kind of was thrust into the spotlight. Our, our team had a lot of work to do as the entire school board and the entire province went online. And yeah. our little team was kind of 
<laughs> the, the core support for a lot of that. Did you wield so, your power yeah. and strike for, 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 for a 50% salary raise? <laughs> <laughs> you got to strike, you got to strike. Uh, when no, no, but, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe next time. That's right. Yeah, exactly. We'll keep it in the back of your mind. Johnson uh, had other things on her mind, yeah. I think. Yeah. 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 Like I said, things got like a little surviving. bit weird there right around yeah. the yeah. start of that job. The thing that like, the thing that I think, um, the thing that I think about about cancer is how how much of a curveball that that must have been for you and and also the fascination with the fact that it remains a curveball for anybody who gets it like just like a totally 90 degree turn in your life even though cancer is so common it's mm. like stupid yeah. common it's 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 horrific how common it is and yet is. and yet I'm sure that that was just like you know, for at least, at least a moment, if not many, you know, kind of the end of the world or feel, it feels like it's the end of the mm. world. It was, it was a little mind blowing. Uh, there is no history of cancer in my family that I'm aware of. Um, we have other things to be concerned with heart conditions and, and there's some diabetes and so on. So I was aware of those sorts of things to be looking out for down the road. Um, but cancer wasn't on the table in any way. Mm. And the fact that aches and pains that felt like muscle pain, maybe overdoing it at the gym or, you know, pulling, uh, you know, your muscle when you stretch for something or whatever, that those kind of things actually were some of the symptoms for this particular blood cancer, which is actually the second mm. most common blood cancer or the second most common cancer. Um, that exists like it it's just like i said it was mind-blowing i'd never heard of it until i was diagnosed with it yeah which is typical i i mean to your point taylor about uh about how common it is and hearing that's the second most common um 11 canadians a day are diagnosed mm -hmm. with multiple myeloma and i got Whoa. that stat from jocelyn so if it's wrong don't come at me go at her <laughs> go to her leave nope, me alone that's right <laughs> that's right wow. from myeloma canada myeloma canada is uh is the national nonprofit organization that uh that works very very hard to make life better for those mm. of us with multiple myeloma and mm. and delving into research and uh and all that kind of thing and much of the research that they do has shown that yes 11 canadians a day up to 4000 canadians a year oh, wow. are diagnosed with multiple myeloma mm. wow. so so is that what happened in in your case did you start to feel like muscle soreness and 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 think like oh geez this feels um yep kind of familiar but also maybe like it shouldn't be happening like what what happened there it was it was the long the long-term kind of side of it that was a problem I, uh, I i changed to this new job and i was now sitting at a computer or driving in a car out to go see teachers and so on uh, much more than i was as a music teacher of course you're up in your classroom you're very physical you're conducting you're moving around working with instruments Beating and now i was out of sitting <laughs> <laughs> Throwing a few drumsticks. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now I was sitting more and I was at a computer more. And so I had a sore shoulder and I just thought, well, and I, and my lower back was sore and I thought, okay, that's, that comes with the job. That's, you know, it'll, it'll fix itself. It wasn't fixing itself. And mm. then like the, my ribs area started to hurt. Well, I was like, okay, well, maybe I've overdone it at the gym with the ab workouts. Um, I was working out at a, a gym called F45 
uh, quite a bit, which are high intense um, <laughs> gyms. Absolutely love them. That would do it. Um, <laughs> that would make, make me feel that way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, and I was starting, I was getting back into running. Um, so I just sort of thought, well, maybe these are just normal kind of aches and pains. And I had gone to some physio and, um, in April of 2018, so I'd started my new job in the fall of 2017. So in April of 2018, we were at a conference and I was a presenter and I had like a big Rubbermaid bin of equipment, was putting that equipment into the back of my car, into the trunk of my car and felt something in my back or my shoulder, like let go. Like it kind of snapped and I was like, that, that wasn't good. <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's bad. Yeah. So that was a bit of, that was an injury that kind of led to going to see my physiotherapist. Right. Should have gone for an x-ray, note to self, go for x-rays when things like that happen. Mm. Um, just went for physio because I thought, again, it was, I, I wrecked my rotator cuff or something. I'd pulled something in that back shoulder area or something. And, uh, and my physiotherapist worked wonders and it seemed to feel better. And then the pain shifted over to kind of my other side, my abs and so on. And I thought, well, this is odd, but again, maybe because the injury is on my right side, maybe my left side muscles are compensating for that injury. Mm, makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. Everything makes sense, right? Like I had, there were explanations for everything, sitting more, driving more, working out differently, running you know, lifted something, hurt something, explanations for everything. I feel like, but it was ongoing. I feel like everybody <laughs> listening to this podcast right now is like, fuck, I got cancer. I know. I know. I, really I, know I got so relatable. I can Sorry feel it. I can feel, I, I mean, Brian looked at me during you speaking because you said something about, yeah, my low back hurt. And Brian looked at me and I know why you looked at me because I told you my low back hurt this morning. Yeah. And, uh, and then I told you my shoulder hurt after yeah, that. I think we have cancer, bud. <laughs> oh, um, fuck. No. I, 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 no. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm like, uh, maybe I'm um, making an assumption uh, based off what you've said so far. But I'm curious. Um, uh, and maybe, maybe this is for like later in the, in the conversation. Or maybe this is for a completely different podcast uh, entirely. But um, did, like... Did sex have anything to do with you figuring out, uh, you know, were you like, were you were maybe what having, it, maybe, yeah, the, where does that, that come from? That's an odd question for you where's to that, ask, maybe, but like, maybe, where, where maybe was making, the genesis of that? Maybe yeah. making sexy time? Did that, did you go, ah, you know what? The sex is, uh, <clears throat> is kind of making me ache in ways that um, I'm not used to. There, there may have been some of that. Uh, <laughs> you have some notes or something. Are you, for are sure. you, oh, you've been, no, I just, you've been I made aware. No, no, no. I just literally just, I just had a hunch. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that question seems oddly placed. <laughs> yeah. Like if I asked that question, I knew it you guys were going to be like, really what the weird. fuck's your problem? <laughs> it's like, it seems like it just like, out of, it just seemed out of nowhere. All right. Well, here, let me say, let me say this. Actually, and, surprisingly, it didn't really seem that far out of nowhere for <laughs> you. Out of nowhere. Well, well, but, Jocelyn had, yeah. you know what? It's funny. Jocelyn gave me all this information and, and at the very end of everything, she just said, oh, and sex saved my life. But there That's was it. no, there was That's no, <laughs> there was no context. So I was like, oh, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe. Oh, well, maybe, maybe, maybe working out is uh, what uh, Toronto music <laughs> teachers call sexy time. <laughs> the F and F45 stands for something different. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, but uh, but how weren't you forty five at the time? <laughs> how did <laughs> right. forty three? Forty three. Right. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Not, <laughs> you're, yeah. She said you were F, going there. She said your way F in forty five, not F forty five. Yeah. Um, Jocelyn, sorry. How? Um, but how did okay. so? How did sex save your life? Was was that was that actually a part of like going? Oh, I'm, I'm actually was. noticing like a difference in my body here. Yeah, it was. Mm. I, uh, I I up until like April. 2018 into October 2018, the shoulder was an issue, the ribs were an issue, there was pain. Um, and then in January 2019, uh, yeah, I was uh, enjoying some time with a friend. Um, and uh, <laughs> he uh, leaned on me just a little, just a bit. Mm -hmm. And I heard one of my ribs crack. Oh, oh, geez. And felt it, felt it go and heard it crack. Like, and, are we, does that, like, do you mean your rib broke? Yeah. Holy I, know, I know exactly what that feels Holy like. Holy shit. Yeah, yeah, I've done that too, yeah. Taylor. Brian broke my rib, yeah. Slightly different yeah. situation, but only, <laughs> only slightly. Yeah, it, and that's all, it, it, that's all it took. And when I tell the story in general, so sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening, um, the general story is, well, I, I twisted wrong and I broke something. Which is also what I told the doctor at the walk-in clinic. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, he didn't tell However, me. However, what was like? What was like? What like? So I that has happened to me. Brian basically cracked my rib one night, mm -hmm. and then and then I hugged somebody two days later, and it mm. fully and it fully broke. And I went. And you can feel it. And I went. Yeah. Oh, like it was a it was a lightning bolt. Like my vision mm -hmm. went went blank for a second, and I and I, like mm -hmm. was it was it the most immediate like flash of Ooh. pain and understanding. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, I could, I heard it in my head <laughs> like that in that internal, uh, yeah. like hear yeah. and feel. Yeah. It, uh, and that was the point at which I said, I think I need to go for an x-ray like now. <laughs> and I and, went the next day and, and that's when things started to snowball. So wow. was it, so was the, um, was the shoulder thing that happened like the that you know the shoulder letting go and then the rib breaking were you just becoming more frail yeah right because yep. your blood mm -hmm. like what do, do you like what was what so, was happening there so multiple myeloma is a uh, it's a blood cancer but of course it it uh, what it does is it it's plasma cells that we use for our immune system so that's where our antibodies are produced and so on. When you have multiple myeloma, um, it overproduces particular antibodies that you don't need. <laughs> uh, and it, those, anti those new cells start to crowd out the cells that are in your bone marrow that you do need. So it crowds out red blood cells, it crowds out platelets. And it also starts to really go at your bones from the inside out. So mm. the bone marrow... Um, you know, starts to get filled with all these myeloma cells. And then in the bones, it starts to call, cause what we call lesions, which is a fancy name for holes in your bones uh, or weak spots. And so I had lesions. By the time I was diagnosed, I had lesions all throughout my upper body. And so particularly, though, they do those lesions start to show up in your ribs and your spine um, you know, wherever sort of the bone marrow is most active. So spine, skull, ribs, uh, sternum, scapula, your oh. long bones, your arms and legs, those kind of things. So that's where lesions often show up. And in my case, they were primarily throughout my ribs and my spine. 
And, uh, and so it was very, very easy to fracture things. And mm. that a lot of that pain that I've been feeling were actual fractures that I didn't realize had happened. Like in October of 2018, I ran the Toronto 5k, um, waterfront race. I got about a kilometer and a half in and felt really bad pain, <laughs> which I thought doesn't quite feel like cramps. Like I'm like, I'm, I don't think I'm cramping at a kilometer and a half. Um, but it was a lot of pain. And I now know that I fractured two ribs on that run, um, finished the race cause I wanted the medal. Uh, <laughs> however, <laughs> there, was, there was some pain involved in that. Oh, so that, those sorts of things have been happening. I had damaged some of my vertebrae. Uh, there were at least two spinal compressions. Um, so by the time I was actually diagnosed, so after that first x-ray that led to a number of other tests and CT scans and the, and the whole works. I had an amazing doctor at the walk-in clinic who just like, he knew what he was looking at and he ran with it. Mm. And, uh, by the time I was diagnosed, I think I had fractured, uh, nine ribs, give or take, um, seven or eight vertebrae. Oh my God. Uh, my shoulder blade had the, the issue with my shoulder blade was that I had what was called a plasma cytoma on my shoulder blade, which is where the multiple myeloma cells escape from your bones entirely. They're like, hey, let's go party over here. And they collect in one spot and they create like a little soft tissue spot. So there was one of those on my shoulder and uh, it was starting to damage my shoulder blade. And so that's what that was all about. And so, yeah, there was all kinds of damage throughout my upper body. So when you you were basically Samuel Jackson from Unbreakable. (laughs) Right. That's right. Mr. Glass. Did anybody ever die? Like was... Now that you mentioned that, I'm like, the guy had cancer. He had no, he had he had brittle bone disease. Oh, okay, um, right. Which um, is kind of like I mean, it's kind of like, like what we're talking about, though. Yeah. yeah. Think of your favorite one-hit wonder, or that overpriced toy your parents would never let you have, or that TV show that no one else remembers because it was canceled way too soon. Now, what if we could fix it? I'm Francesca Ramsey. And I'm Delon Grant. And after 20 years of friendship, we are now hosting a new nostalgia podcast called Let Me Fix It. Each episode, we'll dig into our favorite celebrities, shows, and brands of yesteryear, and then imagine what it would take to repackage them for relevance today. Think of our show as an intervention, but with way less stakes. So subscribe to Let Me Fix It wherever you get your favorite podcasts. I'm curious. um, So when you went in and and got that first extra, you you said that that then they sort of ordered some new tests and stuff. Did they, mm-hmm. because like, I imagine if I go in and I, I break my ribs and I'm like, ah, oh, mm-hmm. you know, like say I, I was playing soccer and I was in a collision and um, I feel like my ribs are in a lot of pain and I go in and I get an x-ray and I find out that they're broken. They probably just tell me, oh, well, there's not much you can do. Just try to rest and lay low and you're going to heal up and be better. But they're not going to order other tests and nope. things like that. Was it Was nope. it because of the the story of like you telling him that you twisted that they're like, Oh, well, you know, that doesn't really add up. We should order some other tests and look into things. Yeah. Yeah. Because there was no impact. Um, yeah. Impact collision Ooh. kind of, uh, injury for this rib. Uh, and the doctor that I had when the x-ray results came back was probably fresh out of medical school, just, you know, a great guy. And he really listened to the overall story. He said, you know, have you been experiencing other pain? other areas, what else is going on. Um, and fatigue is one of the other symptoms also really vague. 
<laughs> you know, yeah, so right. I had been experiencing significant fatigue to the point where like multiple alarm clocks in the morning were doing no good. Right. Um, it was really debilitating fatigue. So that plus the lack of impact injury, plus the other aches and pains, he said, there's a few <laughs> things it could be. Let's just run some some tests. And Ooh. so he sent me for blood work and he sent me for what's called a bone scan, which is kind of an infrared scan. And mm-hmm. that was the one that really set things off. At, at what point did you, like during the process, did you start to realize that something was up? Pretty quickly, actually, as soon, almost as soon as this, this doctor said, I'm going to send you for tests because he did mm-hmm. say, I'm, I don't want to scare you, but there are cancers that could be responsible for this. Mm. So we're just going to put that out there because we're going to do all the work we can to, to rule that out if we need to and find right. out what's going on. I, what, what was that? What was that like? Like hearing that and starting to realize, like, oh, well, maybe there's something that explains all these things that I've been experiencing, but also it yeah. could be cancer. Having an explanation always is a bit of a relief. Knowing that the explanation could be cancer is a bit of a gut punch so it was uh, it was a bit of that and i at that point i once we started into those tests i think i had only told one good friend and my uncle i did not tell Mm. family members or parents or anything like that um there was nothing to tell until tests could be run i mean like especially a gut punch considering that you know I, i mean i'm guessing that prior to this diagnosis you, like myself, were probably not aware of what multiple myeloma looked like or, you know, how that, how that can sort of manifest in people. And so you're in this position where you're going, fuck, I don't know. I'm not, like, I'm, I must have a vitamin D deficiency or something like right? super fucking fixable, you know, or like, or very manageable. Sure. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Something very normal for, you know, mm-hmm. a woman past her forties to start to think about but but exactly. to but, drink more milk all, all of a sudden yeah all of a sudden to just be um to just hear yeah. cancer that like that is that is pretty wild i one thing that i'm i'm super curious about is um like so if you're if you if you've got lesions on your bones and you're and you're just like you're breaking ribs just from having like pretty normal sounding sex not you know not some like to- <laughs> 45 shades of gray type freaky kinky shit maybe i don't know but um you know, your bones are getting lesions. Your bones are just, are, are, are deteriorating to a point where you are, you are fracturing your bones without much effort. Yep. How far along mm. were you before getting this diagnosis? And way to make Jocelyn, Jocelyn's and, sex life sound so vanilla. Uh, well, I mean, Hey, <laughs> he kind of just left it open. I, I, I left it open. Jocelyn, Jocelyn's the one that made it sound like her sex life is <laughs> way out of control. Uh, <laughs> um, um, yeah. Like how far along were you? And, and I guess like, because it, it seems like that, that must be pretty progressed. And so mm-hmm. how far along were you? And is that really common for people to get, that deep if it was deep in before getting yeah. a diagnosis? Yeah. Uh, yes, I was, uh, the, the fact that my bones were super fragile at that point, um, there was a great deal of bone damage. There mm-hmm. was, um, yeah, that, that means that the cancer had been pretty progressed at that point. Sure. And that is typical. Um, the other 
things that are often affected by multiple myeloma are the kidneys. Because our, our system is producing so many, so many extra proteins, uh, the kidneys can't handle it. They can't filter it. And so a lot of people are diagnosed, particularly sometimes older people, are diagnosed because of kidney failure, because they go in for dialysis and so on. And sometimes even then it's missed that just the kidney issue is treated without digging further as to maybe what the cause is. Um, so the awareness about myeloma is minimal. Even um, even one of the, the CT scan, for example, uh, that I had, the emergency CT scan that I had in early February of that year, um, even that radiologist in the notes wrote, um, could be metastatic melanoma. And so I look at the results and I now know what I know. I look at all the results from the bone scan, the CT scan, so on and so forth. And it screams multiple myeloma to me. Mm. <laughs> I know that because I know what multiple myeloma does, but other people don't. And so it gets missed um, or they, they look for, they spend time looking <laughs> for other things like other cancers or um, things that cause, you know, like I said, kidney failure or whatever. And uh, in a lot of cases, it gets missed entirely. Um, it is a disease that often affects uh, the elderly. And so fragile bones and, you know, aches and pains and so on, again, often go along with aging and are sometimes mm. ignored by physicians or mm. just not ignored necessarily, but uh, not delved into. Yeah, not front so of mind, can, like right off the Yeah, right off so the it bat. can get really progressive. And, mm. and bone and kidney damage are the two things that often are... Um, are the, the big things that happen when you miss it. It really like, it really speaks to, we talk a lot about this and sometimes, and, and, and I would, and in retrospect, I think that we sometimes, I think in the, in the heat of listening to somebody's story can, can get quite critical of like the idea of not diagnosing something, uh, like critical towards, uh, medical professionals, professionals and doctors and things mm-hmm. of not, uh, not catching something. Um, Mm -hmm. as if it is the most obvious thing in the world that it was that obviously with hindsight being 2020 that you have this diagnosis and there was all these signs and it's like, man, there are, you know, fatigue, like some of these things that you just, that are, that you could possibly attribute to probably if I was a doctor and was aware of the vast range of potential diagnoses things that you could probably attribute to hundreds, if not thousands of different conditions. And, uh, and kind of just, just like a, you know, appreciating the, like the, the, the challenge of accurately, you know, diagnosing or choosing which roads to go down for testing in order to try Mm -hmm. and figure it out. Because, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, you know, I guess the doctor is the first, sort of like the first line. And then the doctor's, goes, well, we, we should do, based on what I think, let's go down this road and get ABC test, which like ABC test, you know, may or may not be completely useless to what you end up having. And you come back with a clean bill of health because the test didn't mm-hmm. show anything or whatever. It's just, it is, it's just a massive, it's a massive challenge. And, uh, it is. and it's fascinating that we ever get it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <'cause> like, <laughs> it's true because there's, there's so much. And I think, I absolutely agree with that. And I know like, again, fatigue and aches and pains in somebody in their forties, um, especially someone maybe who has changed jobs like I did. So there's, Mm -hmm. you know, new physical requirements or not. 
um, that doesn't sound like a lot to go on at all. And, and so, you know, I can't fault people for not necessarily catching it early. Uh, I did have an x-ray in October of 2018 that I think should have kicked a few things off. Uh, mm -hmm. I had an x-ray and an ultrasound on my shoulder blade. And at that time they did find something, <clears throat> quote something that was a centimeter and a half. And I, again, I now know that was what was called that plasma cytoma. Mm. And the doctor I had at the time um, did not sen sense any urgency, I guess, with that. And so he, you know, said, well, let, we'll follow up with an MRI. The earliest MRI we could get was for March of 2019. So months down the road. So no urgency with that. When I was diagnosed in February of 2019, so before the MRI was even scheduled originally, uh, that one and a half centimeter plasma cytoma was now seven and a half centimeters. Wow. Wow. And it, and that was what was damaging my, my shoulder blade. And so that's like, so there are, that's, there the are exact, where, that's the exact opposite of what, like the exact, <laughs> the exact thing that I said that we sometimes do is that we're, we're like, we're that, yeah. you know, it's like, it's both. It's like both things yeah. are true, you know, that it is, Ooh. it's, it's, yep. it, it's, it, sometimes it should be obvious and it should set off these alarms. And at sometimes it's like, yep. man, how could you ever possibly figure this out? And both things are kind of simultaneously Absolutely. true. Mm -hmm. And people don't know to look for it in people my age. That's the other thing too, is that, right. that, uh, it, it's not, it has not been considered, um, a regular cancer, so to speak, sure. uh, for people in their forties. I think right. the stats are still that only 4% of the people diagnosed with myeloma are under the age of 45. So does that I mean think that, that number, does that mean that like, cause when I think about <clears throat> things like prostate cancer or breast cancer, or I, I mean, those are the two that really pop up, um, where I think about like pre-screening and like, and, and hearing all the time, like, all right, get, you, uh -huh. you know, you turn a certain age, go get a mammogram, you turn a certain age, get a prostate exam. Is that, is the reasoning, or, well, a is, is, uh, multiple myeloma, uh, a cancer where there, where there is pre-screening happening maybe for a certain age group or is it just not you know one of the cancers that's looked at as common enough to because i mean you said it's the it's yeah. what do you say the second most common second blood most common. so so mm -hmm. do, like do we screen for it at, at any no. point in life no uh not at the moment um there are there are markers in a sense that we, there's sort of a, uh, an acronym that we use that Myeloma Canada um, promotes, especially um, and shares with physicians at trainings and so on. We call it CRAB, C-R-A-B. And <clears throat> it stands for looking for elevated calcium. Uh, so if there's elevated calcium levels in just even a regular blood test, that might be a reason for a little more um, examination. Uh, if there is renal failure or renal decreased activity, so kidney function is not good, look into it. If there is unexplained anemia, so that's the A, uh, then again, maybe a little bit of uh, exploration. And B for bone pain, which is, again, hard to distinguish from muscle pain. So again, these, none of these things are all that easy to find. And yeah, our, you know, it, it's a lot on the plate of physicians and, and doctors and specialists and whatnot. Um, but even having that awareness of just those four symptoms and also some increased infections, we often, because our immune systems are not working uh, um, 
efficiently. Um, often it's uh, multiple infections and, and colds and things that people just can't seem to shake that sends them into the doctor that, uh, that leads to some of the diagnoses. Mm. When, um, when you actually got the diagnosis um, and they told you that you had cancer, what was, what was that experience like? Uh, that was, that was difficult. That was difficult, especially because the word that is often in front of myeloma, multiple myeloma is the word incurable. Mm. So it is considered an incurable cancer. Uh, the stats, if you read, don't Google, of course, don't go on Dr. Google, the stats suck. Um, but the stats are not accurate. So that's one of those things, you know, the, the doctor, you'll ask the doctor the prognosis and they'll have to tell you things like, well, you know, the stats still show two to five years. Uh, that's no longer really accurate. And because many of us in the younger age category are being diagnosed younger, uh, we're, we're stronger. And so, you know, we have, uh, that to our advantage. And, uh, so it was a little bit, it was, like I said, it was, uh, a little terrifying, uh, to hear that diagnosis, especially with the incurable aspect of it. Um, but I have incredible faith in my oncologist and I am really excited by the innovations and the advancements that I can see in the myeloma scientific research community these days. Mm -hmm. Um, the amount of treatments and, um, drug options and all sorts of things that are on the table now that were not on the table, even two, five, 10, 15 years ago, uh, is just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's the, with, between chemotherapy and immunotherapy and, uh, all kinds of different transplant options, stem cell transplants, CAR T cell therapy, all those sorts of things that um, were never part of the picture before. Uh, I'm a whole lot more optimistic now than I was mm -hmm. when I first heard it four and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. so, so we just we just sort of uh, opened our eyes to the to incurable to incurable cancers. Um, which we had a conversation recently with a, uh, with a doctor who runs a foundation down in the States. Um, and I heard that episode. Yeah. And, 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 and like something that I said something to the effect in that episode that like, you know, I had, I remember hearing, I remember hearing, um, you know, friends in high school say something to the effect of like, yeah, my, my mom has cancer, but she's had cancer for, 10 or 15 years or something. And I never really understood that. And then we had this conversation. I went, Oh, right. Okay. So there's these types of cancers that you can't cure, but they, you know, they can have these, depending on how the cancer is affecting a certain person can have these different, um, the prognosis can be much different and you could, you know, you could, you could live, a, it could be more aggressive or it could be not mm -hmm. as aggressive. You could live a very long time with this cancer. It could be managed in some ways. What does, what does that look like? What is the treatment uh, plan when you are diagnosed with this cancer? And, you know, and, and, and now I guess with that being five years behind you and some of those statistics saying two to five years, what, and, and what, and what you mentioned earlier about, you know, being diagnosed at a younger age and that having a, that having an effect on what that ultimate prognosis looks like, what is, what does all that look like? Treatment plan and kind of where, where you've come in those last five years? 
it's interesting. Uh, I think when I actually, when I wrote to you guys, I think I was in what we consider remission and multiple myeloma is a remission, remitting, relapsing kind of cycle. So you get it under control. Uh, we use the word remission because that's what people are familiar with, mm. but it's not quite a remission because we know that the myeloma cells are somewhere even if we can't detect them at a certain point. So I did get to um, complete response or what we call MRD negative, minimal residual disease. So in a bone marrow biopsy, there was absolutely no detectable disease for me um, back in 2020. Wow. And so we got to that. It was great. I did. Uh, we did stem cell transplants. That's a pretty typical uh, treatment plan for most people. Uh, you do stem cell transplants using your own blood cells. So we don't Ooh. need donor cells, which Ooh. is pretty cool. Fascinated by this, the science. Uh, I had spinal surgery to repair the uh, the fractures in my spine. Also, very cool surgery. I had three spine surgeries where they just use needles and put <laughs> cement in your spine. <laughs> and it was absolutely fascinating. You walk in in pain in the morning and you walk out, you know, on your own steam and feeling good in the afternoon. Um, so those are all part of the treatment. I have a lot of cement in my spine from about T4 all the way down. Wow. Um, <laughs> does that make you heavier? And, like, the, like, does that, is, um, that, is it noticeable? Like, I'm going to go with that. That is, yeah. that's, I'm sure with that and the steroids, that explains that's the weight it. Gain. So yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's going to make chin ups a lot harder. Fucking trying Ooh, to pull up a, a man, back full of cement. cement. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's also oh. going to last longer than I will. So, you know, what the heck? <laughs> yeah, right, right. You, you <laughs> so mentioned yeah, earlier. So sorry. I was, was, was going to say, it's, yeah, it's, it's a lot of relapse and remittance. And I actually, I did relapse uh, last summer, so about a year ago. Uh, mm. I came out of remission, so to speak. So my numbers started to climb again. These numbers, these protein numbers that we watch for that should be low started to climb. So I am back in treatment. Um, as of the fall, I went into a clinical trial in the fall, which tanked spectacularly in a hurry. Um, so that drug combination didn't work for me. It's working really well for other people. Didn't work for me. Uh, I have high risk markers in multiple myeloma. We don't stage it the way we do other cancers like stage three, stage four, that kind of thing. There are stages, but it's not really the same thing. We talk more about standard risk and those who may have high-risk markers. So some of the DNA characteristics of my particular cancer show that I have high risk, makes it a little more aggressive, a little more hard to treat. And so I am out of remission, and I'm back into treatment. So the clinical trial failed, and now I'm on a new regimen that we started in about January, February, uh, that is really specific to me. And that's one of the amazing things about the advances is that what I am on, nobody else might be on at the moment, but right. it's working for me. <clears throat> Does, so so are you, when you have, uh, you know, you got your treatment that put you into, um, uh, what was it called? The minimum residual disease? Mm -hmm. MRD. Yeah. MRD negative. Does that having had that treatment already that was effective, does that treatment, is it, is that, is that treatment sort of off the table since, since you've already, you've already had it? So now you come back, you'd be resistant to it in some way, I, I, I would assume. And so it, yep. it, it's just not going to be able to be an option. Mm -hmm. Correct. 
What what was you mentioned um, car T and I know that in the conversation that we had with uh, the Tiller was uh, mentioning with uh, Dr. Brian Kaufman, um, we actually scheduled a, a follow up conversation that we're going to have with him next month about car T therapy. But can you mm-hmm. uh, uh, can you explain what that is and why that that might be helpful? As best I can, sure. Uh, yeah. So well, don't worry. We'll been, follow it, up with him, and we'll ask if uh, if everything you said was correct. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it is something that that has been around for a while in the treatment of leukemia and lymphoma. Uh, it's new on the market, essentially for multiple myeloma, but we are seeing a lot of promise from it. So essentially, everybody has T cells, and your T cells are those cells that are your immune. Fighters. So those are the ones that attack things and, and hopefully keep you nice and safe and generate antibodies and, you know, <clears throat> keep you healthy. <clears throat> and what they do with CAR T cell therapy um, is they remove your T cells. So it's kind of like a stem cell transplant where they filter out the T cells from uh, blood draws. Like they'll take the blood from your system. They'll filter out the T cells. They send them off to a lab, and this is why it's not in common use just yet. It's still extremely expensive and time-consuming, particularly for myeloma patients who may not have a lot of time to wait for those T-cells to come back because they go out to a um, a lab. They're manufactured to be really specific fighters, and so they're manufactured to look for the proteins that are on the – uh, myeloma cells, and then they're put back in your system, and hopefully they go to work and they come after just the myeloma cells. Well, it's like they go to like a training camp, and they like they like learn learn the yep. ways of the masters, and then come back and That's right. and yeah. they, fuck your they body. Yeah, Batman. It's, it's and Batman. It's like, it's Batman. And, and um, CAR T, like one of the um, things I I have learned about it is is that it is sort of like this it is sort of this like cutting edge of, mm-hmm. of personalized cancer treatment therapy. Um, and that it's, it's shortfall now, um, not for you, but for a lot of people is that it is like a very, it, it's, there's so many cancers. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and the, the, it has something to do with, they, they, we thought at a certain point that like, we would be able to figure once we map the human <laughs> genome that we would just be able to totally just screw over cancer and we'd be mm-hmm. able to attack it. But then it turned mm-hmm. out that in everybody, even if somebody with the same two cancers, the genetic mutations, even in an, even in like an, like one from one myeloma patient to another, multiple myeloma patient to another, the mutations, the, the commonalities mm-hmm. in the mutations are like, very slight. And there's mm. thousands, of, there can be thousands yep. of mutations in a particular mm-hmm. cancer that's causing it. And so that has to do with like why the car, I believe that has something to do with why CAR T can only be used on like certain, certain cancers. So there's like a very specific mm-hmm. subset of cancers that are, can benefit from it, which mm. is the shitty part. Um, you look I, like you wanted to say something there, Brian. Are you okay? I was just, I was just thinking that it's kind of like they're like glitch cells, you know, like they're like glitching and they're hard to like. You can't like map a glitch because it's just so glitchy 
that if you think of it that way, you're probably thinking we learned that, that from uh, Into the Spider Spider Verse. Now yeah. that you say it like that, <laughs> right, right, everybody gets yeah. it. Um, Jocelyn, tell me, tell us about your decision to get involved, uh, like so so heavily involved with uh, Multiple Myeloma Canada. Um, I'm I'm able to do so, uh, and and I I have um, the time and the voice uh, to be able to to really help out, um, and in particular with this younger age category, we're seeing more and more people in their 30s and their 40s being diagnosed with multiple myeloma, and there just isn't the um, there aren't the resources out there <laughs> for those of us in this age category. Um, so I've been working a lot with Myeloma Canada over the last few years because they are the national organization, uh, that is, uh, really driving research here in Canada and, uh, and really helping make awareness happen. So for example, excuse me, in March, uh, March is multiple myeloma awareness month. And so, uh, we do lots of awareness campaigns, whether it's, uh, this year we had billboards in the Toronto area. We have all kinds of activities in municipalities across the country. This year we, uh, in Toronto, we got the Toronto sign down at Nathan Phillips Square lit up in red to kick off the month in March, on March 1st. And so we had that in red. So lots of photos. Uh, I did some interviews with local TV stations um, to raise awareness. And, uh, and then we did lots of awareness campaigns throughout the month. We got Toronto to proclaim Multiple Myeloma Awareness Month for the city of Toronto in uh, in March of 2023. And then at the end of the month, we had the CN Tower lit red on March 31st mm. to wrap it all up. So just those sorts of things. Myeloma Canada uh, is able to sort of um, help facilitate those those pieces as well as really make a difference with the research that's out there. And so it was an organization that I really wanted to uh, to, to work with and support. And this September, September is always the month that we have our multiple myeloma marches. So 5K walks uh, to raise money for multiple myeloma. This is our 15th anniversary year of the myeloma walks. And Jocelyn's Joggers, that's my little team. Nice. Uh, we'll be part of it again. There is no jogging that happens. However, <laughs> um, you know, we're just going on the alliteration. So, uh, yeah. So, it's, I like uh, it. yeah. So that's sort of, you know, those are kind of the big things mm. that happen um, throughout the year. And like I said, Myeloma Canada is really working to bring that to the forefront and to help make everybody aware that this is out there and, and how to look for it in yourself or how to help physicians look for it. Mm. Um, because the earlier that we can diagnose the better the treatments can be mm. and the less lasting damage there is. What would you say is the biggest thing that multiple myeloma has taken away from you? Uh, the sense of invincibility that I think we all kind of go through life with in a yeah. lot of cases. Um, I was, yeah, I was cruising along in life, just enjoying things, living a great life here in Toronto, a uh, new job, lots of fun, new adventures. And, uh, that kind of, that pulled the rug out from under me. Yeah. So I'm a lot more aware of my mortality <laughs> at this point. Um, yeah, it, uh, it has, it has certainly taken away that, that sort of that, you know, I'm, I'm just going straight ahead kind of sense of, uh, of feeling. What would you say is the biggest thing that it's given you? <clears throat> uh, time with an appreciation for family and friends. 
um, you know, with being off work for stem cell transplants and, um, you know, various treatments and so on, uh, you know, you, you have to have a caregiver, um, so to speak for your, when you do your stem cell transplants. Um, so being able to spend that time with family, uh, and with friends has been one of the biggest things it's given me. Um, the, the confidence to, uh, to make noise, to, uh, to, to bring awareness to uh, a cancer that is, you know, really prevalent in Canadian society, but mm. still unknown. Uh, that's certainly something that it's given me as well. Well, I mean, Jocelyn, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's always nice to be able to sit down and speak to someone who's going through um, something similar to what you're going through. And not only be capable of like very articulately sharing your personal experience, but also having that background of like, of, you know, patient support and, and like, and, and the, and the stats and the things that you've clearly taken from the work that you put into trying to spread this type of awareness. Um, it really is just like, it, it makes for a great conversation. It makes for a really clear and concise sort of breakdown on what it is that we're looking at and what this means for the future and, and the importance of spreading that type of awareness. So I just want to say on behalf of my, myself, the guys and all of our listeners, thank you so much for, for giving us that insight and for being um, courageous enough to step on a podcast with a few strangers and admit that you <laughs> found out that you have cancer from having sex uh, with a friend. I mean, that's really neat. Uh, <laughs> but truly, like... That's right. But it really, it really does mean a lot. And uh, this, has been, this has been a real treat. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me. I sincerely appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate the opportunity, again, yeah, to share my story and to talk a little bit more about multiple myeloma in general. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.